When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We got to give an update, guys, on DeMar Hamlin. If you haven't heard, back in Buffalo, was transported from the hospital in Cincinnati. It's just unbelievable. I told my wife last night, and she was like, a week ago, where he was, and now to be transported and start this recovery and rehab. And we're not talking about football. This is just human no. stuff, right? Just can he be a guy that can get around and have a normal life? And then we'll talk about the football stuff down the road. But I got to tell you, the biggest, I, I, not the biggest, but the most, uh, it gave me chills, Jason. This kickoff return to start the game for the Bills. Crazy, huh? I uh, I happened to be doing a, a game locally, and so I had, you know, I was at a game, a basketball game, and, and I was watching this on my phone. I literally had it on my phone. And I, I was just sitting there shaking my head in amazement but I want to know how you felt about it because, you know, everybody was saying this was just like the perfect thing that could have happened to start this game. Bills eliminate the Patriots, guys. But to start the game, the Bills get the kickoff. They take it 100-plus to the yeah. house. And then I would have loved to have been in Buffalo for that moment. You know, just yeah. being in the stadium to feel that energy and to know DeMar Hamlin was watching and he had posted before, you know, hey, let's go and and – just, man, I don't even know if there are words to ex- describe what happened there. Yeah, I mean, sports moves in very mysterious ways sometimes, and there have certainly been instances where it looks like something's going on here that's not just about football or just about, you know, baseball or, or whatever um, form that this has taken place. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just so happy for that young man um, and for the world that he's kind of reconnecting with on the other side of this post, you know, being put under post breathing tube and all that um, to see how everyone is rallied and galvanized around him and to see his teammates, you know, really sort of embody his spirit. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that look, that wasn't the Patriot. That wasn't the bills a game. You know, that was a struggle. It looked lopsided at the end, but it took special team stuff. It took Mac Jones helping him out a little bit. Um, that was not the sort of offensive flow we've come to expect from them. But they won the game. They ended up winning, you know, somewhat handily. Uh, and now they can sort of return to more normalcy, a normal work week. You know, you're not wondering about this or that. Tiebreakers, are we playing this? Are we playing that? Are there coin flips here? Is there this and that? Um, you know, it, it's not about trying to be by teammate's side in a hospital room. It's about trying to do your best in, in a normal week of practice every week. To, to go out and start what they hope will be a Super Bowl run. How did the Titans not fire Mike Vrabel? You lost seven straight. I know the GM's gone. I'm just asking the question. If this was anybody else who had run off and lost seven straight to end the season, we'd be talking about them being got. Well, I think he's been the little engine that could. Um, you know, he – he didn't have a quarterback. I mean, they're playing Josh Dobbs. I mean, he's starting games. He just got there. Uh, you know, how much say did he have in Malik Willis? I, I don't think he was super meddling 
You know, I think John Robinson had a lot of carte blanche in the personnel side. And, you know, that owner, again, that's an owner. She likes to talk tough um, to the certain people and play things a certain way. But she didn't want to pay A.J. Brown. You know what I mean? Like, who are they? Like, go look at their payroll. Like, she wants a $2 billion stadium, right? She wants her corporate handout like they all do. She wants all that. But has that team ever been spending top 10 in the league in payroll? I mean, what, like. You know, are they going to are they going to pay Jeffrey Simmons like Chris Jones? Like I, I don't know. I, I they should. He's I a bet against it. Like yeah. I I don't know. Like yeah, I, I. So you know, what were they supposed to be like? And when they're sitting there and they're beating Green Bay, who we thought was still Green Bay at that time, you know, and they're taking the the Chiefs to the limit again in overtime with Malik Willis at quarterback. That's, are they doing that for any coach, you know? So, I, I, I mean, I think he he's – the seven looks bad because of what – him having them in the one seat again somehow in, like, late October, early November. But right. why were they there? Were they there because of the roster? You know, Tannehill's at the end. Like, those are ownership things. Like, you could have realized your window was over last year, traded Tannehill, traded Derrick Henry – you know what I mean? Taking a quarterback higher than the third round with someone maybe who played not at Liberty, but maybe in the SEC or something. You know what I mean? Where they're, where you'd think the learning curve might be um, a little faster, but none of that happened. So you knew that Todd Downing, you know, look, Todd Downing should have been fired after the DUI. But, you know, they kept him around through the season. But you knew there something was going to change on offense. They're probably going to have to go get a quarterback now. But, like, whoever that next GM is, like, What's the purse strings look like from ownership? Like, are they are they fully committed to putting a Super Bowl team on the on the field, or are they fully committed to maximizing profits and getting everything we can out of the public sector to build us a football palace? You decide. It's a great point, and I like Mike Vrabel. I think you're right. I think he's done more with less, and I think he gets more out of guys. He's shown he can coach. He he's got it. I, there's no doubt. But this year, with seven losses, that's what people are talking about. All right, Jason, let's talk about uh, some of the things that are going on. Um, As far as (laughs) Geno Smith, what do you do if you're Seattle? He got $2 million for making the playoffs. That's part of his bonus structure. Um, And and congrats to Geno. I mean, that's that's a hell of a thing. But are you willing to invest in him long term? Before we talk about some of the games we're going to see on Saturday, wild card Saturday and Sunday, and then the Monday night game with – with the 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 uh, Cowboys and the Buccaneers, Gino, I I don't know if I can pay him long term. I'm not sold. I know he had a good year. Yeah. I was doing some work on him last night. So he's got seven interceptions in his last seven games. Mm. Two multi-interception games in that span. Gino weeks one through ten, seventy-three percent completions, seventeen touchdowns, four interceptions, one hundred eight quarterback rating. They have the week eleven bye. Gino since the bye. And this is when now there's playoff expectations, right? I mean, people right. weren't talking about Seattle backing in. People were talking about could Seattle compete with San Francisco? Could see, you know, since the bye, 66% completion, 13 touchdowns to seven interceptions. So it was 17 to four, 13 to seven, 92.1 rating. When you pressure Geno Smith, his QB rating is 79.1, right? And that's oh. kind of like one of the, for me, the delineations of like, Who's really got it and who doesn't? You know, when the chips are down, yeah. can you 
keep this drive going? Can you sustain things? Can you keep us in the game? Now, look, Pete Carroll's – I don't think Pete Carroll's getting off of Geno Smith. I think he loves the fact that this has worked for them and that they're in the playoffs. Um, I think you can have your cake and eat it too. I think you can sign him to a three-year deal. That's really at most a two-year deal. It's a five-year deal on paper with two voidable years. The third year's not real. The second year's quasi-real. Maybe you've, you've guaranteed him – Eight or ten million that year, so you know, real high-end backup number money in case the kid's not not ready. And you front load the first year because they're not paying a whole lot of people there. Right. And you go and use the pick on the quarterback. I think it's a great idea. And, and I, mean, I, think, I think that's what's gonna happen because Pete's not gonna go to the kid right away. Like no. it's not this isn't Russell Wilson 2.0. Um that he's gonna want Gino in place. Let's get that done. And then we can bring this kid along at our pace, but they've got to draft the quarterback. Yeah, and and the, the the contract, you're absolutely right. With the way things are done now, you can get out of that after two seasons if you want with minimal risk. Um, Seahawks, by the way, guys, at the 49ers, That's the first game on Saturday, four thirty on Fox. Then you got the Chargers in Jacksonville, and I just want to talk about Trevor Lawrence and this Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they're dangerous now. The Chargers and Herbert, this is like the two young guns, right, that we're, we may see yeah. playing, uh, and we, we may see this for the next five or six years potentially in the playoffs in some way, shape, or form. But I think the Jags are dangerous. And, and I said this the other day, and a guy was like, oh, you're, you know, they're lucky. And I'm like, you're not watching what's going on with the Jaguars. You're not giving them credit. Now, I do have my reservations about defensively what they are, yeah. and at times, you know, even offensively. But I think they they could sneak up on somebody. If they win this game against the Chargers, it wouldn't surprise me, Jason. Yeah, I mean, this game is a toss-up for me. Both quarterbacks, no playoff experience. Now, when you get in situations where it's a quarterback with no experience versus one who's been there, done that, the one who's been there, done that, she's usually going to win that game. But this is, you know, the debut for both of them. Um, I thought the nerves and the butterflies showed last week. Now, yep. yep. have they exhausted that now? Like, they've gotten that out of their system? And they can cut loose and play free and easy. We'll see. But Doug Peterson, who rose to prominence in Philadelphia by being, you know, swashbuckling and aggressive and Philly special and all that. I mean, he doesn't go for the early fourth and one where I thought he really had a chance to establish something. He keeps running the ball on early downs when that's a road to nowhere. Like they were not going to run. Nobody runs on the Titans. This group definitely wasn't running on the Titans. I don't know why he didn't lean into early down play action. It looked like he was maybe babying the quarterback a little bit. And I think maybe the quarterback responded to that poorly because he didn't have his best game. I mean, he missed open guys. His downfield ball accuracy was not what it normal was. His decision-making wasn't what it normally was. Um, They had a path to to win that game rather handily and score 27 or 30 points, and they didn't get close to that against a bottom three pass defense. I think there was nerves. I think there was newness. I think that felt like their first playoff game. And you know what? There's not about nothing about style points when you get into do-or-die situations. So um, I'm just interested to see how they respond to that and if that's something that's still contagious or if that's something they got out of their system. Let's talk about the and Cowboys. And Brandon Stanley, man, I don't know. Like, what is he doing playing Justin Herbert in the deep Fourth. third quarter of that game? Yes. Why yes. is Bosa in that game at all? Mike Williams and his injury history, why is he in that game against Denver with nothing at stake? You literally knew you were locked into that seed when Baltimore had already lost. And Baltimore didn't play anybody. You know why? It didn't make sense. They pulled everybody they could possibly pull, except for Ronnie Stanley, who they shouldn't have played either. But, like, 
that baffles me. So I don't know about Brandon Stanley in that spot either. You know, like I, I have major reservations about that. Um, it's an interesting game. But whoever survives, I think, is, is to your point, dangerous. Let's talk about the Cowboys real quick. And then I do want to oh, ask you about Lamar. Uh, <laughs> Commanders 26-6. Uh, Dak did not look good. And we've been talking about he this. He looked awful. Going into this Tampa game, it's a Monday night game, guys. So you get three games on Sunday, then you get the Monday night game. That's wild card weekend. How can you not like Tom Brady and the Bucks with the way we've seen the Cowboys here the last few weeks? Yeah. I know everybody keeps thinking that it's just going to click. Like they're going to go out and boom, they're going to have six turnovers and a touchdown return. And they haven't played well. They no. haven't played well. And this is when Mike McCarthy gets tight. This yes. is when he starts saying, I sense my team being nervous like he did last year. I'm concerned for the Cowboys. And I said on this podcast, they've got everything to go to the Super Bowl. Why do they look like crap? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have – there's not a good vibe there. I mean – and this – this the interception thing now, I think, is mental for Dak. Like, mm. it's it's beyond, like, a, your accuracy a little off or – like, you saw him throw that out route and it gets jumped. And it's damn near pick six. And he goes right back there and then throws the pick six to the same spot. Like, that's that's sports psychology stuff. Like, that's not Tom House, kinesiology, release point, shoulder <laughs> balance, footwork, right? Yeah. This is like, like, it's, he's got this thing wired in his head now, like, to force it, force it, force it. Nah, I don't have a good vibe at all about them. And the defense has really slipped second half of the season as well. Um, yeah, I don't know that they can turn it on. I, I don't know that that's the kind of team. Um, if anything, they the, the reputation for the Cowboys the last 20 years is they come up small when it matters most. I don't know that this is the year that they reverse that, especially coming off these performances down the stretch where they've been getting the snot beat out of them for long sequences of, of games. I mean, even that Jacksonville game, like you can you can sequence a bunch of games recently where you're like, I don't like that body language. I don't like what I saw there. I don't like how they're handling this and that. Um, and look, this is a factor. People can say it's not. People can say I'm only focused on my job. When you've got both coordinators – Sorting out what's my interview? No, they've got agents to do all this. So I'm not focused on that. Bullshit. You make a whole <laughs> lot more money being a head coach. You 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 get a whole lot more power. Like they're they're not in this to be coordinators. You no. know, and Dan Quinn's been to a Super Bowl and blown it. You think he wants that to be the lasting sort of stigma of Dan Quinn, NFL head coach? So like it, I'm sorry, there's only so many hours in the day, and there's only so many ways your mind works, and these are human beings. And when you're simultaneously coaching for your team, but also, you know, all these owners are obsessing over these games and coaching for your reputation for sure. in terms of how these interviews are going to play out and who gets what job and who gets to interview first and, you know, all the Byzantine rules wow. of the NFL that, that regulate this stuff. And it gets more complicated by the year. Like, I do think on some level that's a factor. And if you go back over the years and look at teams playing in the first round of the playoffs – who have multiple coordinators who are sort of up for these jobs, it often doesn't play no out way. very well for them. It doesn't. Does Lamar play? Last thing, does the Lamar play? I mean, as we sit right here on Tuesday morning, I think it's more likely than not he does not play. Um, you know, they don't know. He doesn't know. Uh, 
Wednesday, you know, if he goes out there and throws the ball around at least a little bit on Wednesday for the first time in basically six weeks, then it's a it's at least a conversation. If he doesn't practice limited Wednesday, there's no way in hell he's playing this football. Game. How how does he not play, Jason? It's he's the got playoffs. I it's, don't, the, it's the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, I look for all the different if if you're counting on certain sources of information for your Lamar information, just look at their track record. Because none of the ones who try to get out ahead of this have been right about anything. So either they're extrapolating or they're talking to the wrong people who keep steering them in a certain direction because they're sending messages to the kid through the media. But like you find the trustworthy source on this. So, and I'm just telling you, if you sat down with John Harbaugh right now and had a coffee with him and gave him truth serum, I think he would say it's going to come down to how he feels and what the trainers think he can do on Friday and what this work week looks like. I mean, he hasn't been on a football field. It's not like he's not practicing, but he's out there on the sidelines throwing a, a hundred balls on the side. He's not doing anything. Okay. The level that it takes for you to list somebody as practice limited in this league is really low. He's not been listed there since six weeks ago before he got hurt where he was showing up limited all the time because he was dealing with a lot of stuff before this knee injury so just because somebody told you six weeks ago that it's a one to three week injury that person probably doesn't know what the hell he's talking about but there are people in that organization who wanted you to think it's a one to three week injury for whatever reason but like i don't know and here's the other thing a lamar jackson in that offense with the season on the line is going to have to default to running because they have no wide receivers. Mm. Um, and they're a run-based team. This isn't like Phillip Rivers with no ACL, you know, five-step drops from the pocket for the San Diego Chargers, zinging it down the field. Lamar Jackson with a brace on in that offense, what are you getting? What is that like? He's He has to be explosive outside of the pocket for them to, to – for the whole Lamar thing to work. So putting a brace on him is different – than putting a brace on Philip Rivers or Eli Manning or whatever. Like, you're curtailing your own offense. And, yeah, there's the future where they've got themselves as an organization into a, a – right where everybody who's watched this closely thought they would. Something's going to happen late in the year, and, and there's going to be all this palace intrigue about will he play or won't he play because he has no future guarantees. And the guy who decides what he makes hasn't talked but once in about five years. And when he did, he said – Eh, I don't think he's worthy of my money. He doesn't think he's worthy of my money. And I'm not paying him what he thinks he's worth until he wins me a Super Bowl. That's what the owner said. So you, that's all part of this. So does he have to make a little bit of a business decision? Sure. But there's also a medical component of it. There's a rust component of it. And it's a, the uniqueness of that offense component of it. And it may come down to a fully healthy Anthony Brown versus a, a beat up Tyler Huntley who was playing poorly and he's got tendonitis in his shoulder. Like, it could be Anthony Brown again. If, frankly, for me, if he came down to Brown taking all the reps this week or Huntley barely practicing, I'm going with Anthony Brown. They have no shot. They, they just – I mean, listen, I'm, I'm looking at this game and I'm going, what makes me believe – because we just saw it Sunday – that they're going to go back to Cincinnati and play better. Now, they may play better, but I just – no, Lamar, they're the not defense winning this played game. lights out. The defense played – I mean – they, they, I think they do have this new coordinator, Mike McDonald. I, I think he's got a little bit of a special sauce. Now, we've seen it twice, how to hold the Bengals' offense in check. 
Um, you know, the Bengals got gifted 17 points early by the three turnovers from the Ravens. Ravens, that's all that happened in the first 15 minutes. That's right. The, the next 45 minutes of the game, the Ravens beat them 16-10, despite more turnovers and bizarre coaching decisions. They hold the Bengals to 111 yards on 37 plays, 3.08 yards per play over the final three quarters of that game. Like, and no big the plays. I mean, the biggest the play was a five-yard check down to Joe Mixon that he took for 30, you know, to, for a 33-yard game. But air yardage plays, you know, there was the 26-yard jump ball to Chase for a touchdown. Worley fell down. Worley had a hell of a game. Um, but there weren't they weren't really pumping it downfield much. So I don't look. That was a weird game. Game plans can change. You know, it was. it was a weird game for both teams. Uh, the Bengals are definitely the better team, no doubt about it. But the Ravens defense has given them all they can handle twice now this season. Can't wait, man. Wildcard weekend, guys. Subscribe Tuesday and Thursdays. We put out new episodes. Jason Lacanfora. Follow him, Brian Baldinger, as well, a part of his podcast. And I'm Carl Dukes. We appreciate you being here. We're going to be talking about the playoffs. We're going to be looking ahead. We're going to be breaking down everything. We'll be talking about the coaching hires, taking you inside of organizations. For a lot of teams, the offseason has started already. And for oh, yeah. the teams that are in the playoffs, it's all about how do we find a way to win, survive, and advance. The great Jim Balvano. Same thing applies in the NFL, guys. It doesn't matter how you win. You just got to advance and keep moving. And some of these teams that you don't think are any good or they shouldn't be there, We'll shock somebody this yeah. weekend, and they're going to be moving on. That's the beauty of the NFL. Jason, man, great job as always. Follow Jason you, on buddy. social media. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Brian Baldinger will be here. We'll break down the games coming up this weekend. Jason, take care, and you guys have a great day.